0: Hey there, I'm Kelly Lyons, and I spent 12 years binge eating, yo-yo dieting, and being food obsessed to finally listening to my body and being in control around food. And I've helped thousands of women all over the world do the same. And if you've ever thought, I just want to eat like a normal person, then you are in the right place, and you most definitely are not alone. I'm dropping the tried and true secrets that go way beyond the food, the real talk stuff that the diet industry doesn't want you to know. So if you are done with starting your diet over every Monday, cozy on up and let's get started because I am here to show you how to stop letting food control your life so you can finally live it. This is the Food Freedom Society podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Food Freedom Society podcast. I am way too excited for this day. So there's two things going on. One, my camera is on for the first time because you guys know me, I'm in my closet, so I decided to show it to the world. But also, this is my first interview. And it means so much to me because this person, not only has she changed my life, the way she speaks and the way she's coached me and just the way she carries herself has been such an inspiration to me. And then she's quickly become a fast friend. So who I have today is the lovely, the one and only Megan Blacksmith. So she is a holistic health coach, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. She's a speaker. She's an NLP trainer and a mindset ninja. And when I say ninja, I do not say that lightly. She is an actual karate chopping ninja. (laughs) She is the co-founder of Zesty and the Becoming Zesty podcast. She trains coaches, practitioners, and leaders with the tools for faster inner transformation without fighting themselves along the way through functional NLP, a combination of principles of NLP, functional medicine, and compassionate coaching. Hey, Megan, that was a lot. How are you doing? (laughs) Hi, Kelly. You read that perfectly. Oh, thank you. It was, it was a long paragraph to get through. I'm not going to lie. So everyone, I have Megan on, like I said, because she has completely transformed the way I think. And if you've been in my space a lot, you know that healing your relationship with food and binge eating and overeating and all that stuff, a lot of times it does not have to do with the food. So Megan's here to really talk about how our minds and our mindset and our beliefs and our identity relate to the way we eat. So before we jump in, Megan, we talked, you know, in your intro a lot about NLP. Can you give us a a really um, 30,000 foot view of what it is, what it means, and how it helps? Absolutely. So
1: excited to be here, Kelly, with you.
0: Yay! I'm so excited to have you.
1: Kelly is such a fun person to work with because one small shift and you just take it running. So... That's fun. NLP stands for uh, neuro linguistic programming. And what do those fancy words mean? I think the high level, the most important thing that I've taken from it is the idea that success leaves clues. So somebody else is doing something you want, or if you are doing something that you want, but in a different area of life, you can find out What are they thinking? What are they feeling? What are they saying to themselves? Right? Like, what are the strategies? What are the habits? What are the beliefs of a person or you who is being the identity that you want? So, we're looking at things from the identity level. We love changing habits. And when we only change habits from like the physical, meaning I'm going to stop myself from eating the cookie or right. I'm going to have tea instead of coffee. Those can help. And we really have to be getting it from the root. We have to be finding why are we doing all these things in the first place? What's the identity that we want to be? What are the beliefs we're acting out? And The idea of NLP is that there is a way to actually rewire all those little beliefs that are there. What I have found is that crazy stuff pops up, Kelly, like crazy stuff pops up in the belief form. And when we track it back, when I track it back, sometimes it's like an experience I had at two years old, or I've even been... The process we use to help rewire the brain. One of them is called quantum time technique. And I actually have gone back where I'm in the womb. And I'm experiencing my parents, like have this conversation. And actually not just a conversation, but my mom was just crying every day, going, I can't believe we're having another baby. (laughs) And like, she, she absolutely loves me now. And she, she lives downstairs from us. We're great. it oh, hey,
0: was a, that was not a happy tears crying.
1: Not a happy tears. I was a um, seven and 10 years after my brothers and they were done. And here comes little redheaded Meg. Disrupt <laughs> <Just, laughs> <just talked> everything, <laughs> right? So there was, and I get it. I have an eight and a 13 year old. And if I were to be pregnant right now, I would also be crying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Me too with a three and a half and a one year old, one and a half year old. So I get it. So
1: I could only imagine, but the thing is, is these things that happen, like these conversations that are had around you that aren't really like meant for you. We we make decisions about them. It's crazy. And it's over and over, this is the pattern. So I made the decision that when I came out, I needed to prove that I'm meant to be here. Like, you got to like me. I will be really likable. I will be amazing people pleaser. I will be the glue of the family. And these beliefs served me to a point, right? Like people like me. I, I got things for that. I did well in school. Was captain of all of my sports teams. And then when I got older, needing everybody to like me, um, needing to be smart, needing to be understood, oh my gosh, heaven forbid, if somebody didn't understand me, all these things started, they add up. And especially when you have a business or when you're looking to be a leader in the world. So we work with leaders and that can mean you're leading your family. That can mean you're, you're ready to take your family from the generational trauma that they've dealt with into a new paradigm and We need leaders for that. Like that is a big, big step to say, I'm no longer going to act out these old patterns or speak this way. Or, you know, we're here on a place where you talk about food and binging and breaking the way that the body was talked about in my family of like, there are now rules for everyone. This is how This is what we do talk about and we don't talk about. And we don't talk about is my kids' bodies, what they're wearing, how big or small they are, what's on their plate, whether they want to eat it or not, right? Like this, and this was not how, I mean, not how I was brought up for sure. It was, right? So there was, but those beliefs around that are really kind of, they're running the show. So our unconscious mind is running the show, I say 95% of the time. So it's like we're walking around with these, these beliefs that were formed, They say around zero to seven is where, where we start to form most of our, we're a little walking subconscious at that point. So everything just goes right in and right in and right in. And, and then by then we've, we've formed a lot of them, not that we don't, we form them for the rest of our lives and we can rewire now too as adults, but that's where we got most of them. So it's like we're being run by a little seven-year-old.
0: And I feel like the world is just a bunch of seven-year-olds running around like crazy people. Um, yeah. I, every time I hear you speak about this stuff, I take in something new. And, you know, the the one thing I want to say is when Megan and I work together, and as you all know, I am an open book, and she was so gracious enough to work with me over something that I was experiencing. And yes, while it wasn't food-related, everything that Megan talks about and When it comes to rewiring our brain and our belief system, it hits for every single aspect of our life. And for me, I've always had the belief that the other shoe is going to drop. And it happens, I'm afraid, in business that everything is so great, but the other shoe is going to drop, right? I used to have these fears around food. And so many of my Food Freedom Society members have this. Everything's going so well, and I'm afraid that I'm going to screw up. So let me screw up on purpose, right? Instead of waiting for the other shoe to drop, we take the shoe off and we throw it across the freaking room. And the belief that Megan and I came to was, you know, my sister passing when I was little and we had such a beautiful life and we still do. But, you know, my, my older sister was taken and I I don't want to get emotional, but my older sister was taken away from me and my parents at the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. And... That, what I experienced and experiencing my trauma and my parents' trauma and now this generational trauma that has carried with me for every aspect of my life, this feeling of the shoe is going to drop. So I just want to reiterate what Megan is saying, where you may have an experience or witness something or observe something, and you may not even recognize it at that time, but it carries, it's like this underlying almost like an iceberg. Would, would you, agree? you mm-hmm. agree with that? Yeah. And- yeah. And the
1: shoe is going to drop as a really common one, Kelly, for, for lots of different reasons. So you, you experienced that in your life. Something you had is all of a sudden gone, yeah. right? Like a very important person in your life. And so things were good. And then out of nowhere, things were really, really bad. So brain takes that in. Brain is wired for efficiency. And it said, well, that didn't feel good. So I will look out and I will be aware for when that's coming. So then your body says, ooh, things have been good for a while. Whether it's with your food, your body, your business, your relationship, right? You've been at a certain level for a while. And then we start to look for that shoe to drop. Sometimes looking for it, it's just the, um, it's uncomfortable. Like we feel not good because we're, even though things are great, we can't enjoy it. And then sometimes we look so hard for it that we, that we, then we find the shoe. Like then we're, then it does start to drop yeah. because we're so convinced that it will, right? We're calling in
0: lots of opportunities, and when it's like when something bad does happen it's almost like it keeps us in that cycle cuz we're like oh i knew that was going to happen so then we continue to look um and i would just like to say everyone right now i am speaking to megan comfortably when we actually had this call <laughs> i was a blubbering mess because it brings out things that we've been told to like keep inside and not talk about so if if this is resonating with you, I want you to know that you are not alone. And this is a normal response, especially what Megan said, like it can be with loss, relationships, and food. And, um, you know, what you said, Megan, earlier about having these rules for your children, which is so powerful in the sense of we don't talk about what they're wearing and their body. I would love for you talking about your experiences with that. If you have any, because for me and my members and my community, this is something that is so, so common.
1: Mm. Well, this, I have a very personal story that makes me highly interested in why, why people end up in the binge cycle and why, why we do what we do. Because when I was in college I was at the time I was going to call I was in college for mechanical engineering and I did end up working in engineering for 10 years. That's a whole whole different side
0: story. Humble brag. (laughs) Because
1: I was told I was good at math and I was told this is what to do. So this was the beginning of me not listening to me. It's cool, like because it's like, oh, you're an engineer and like that's in, oh, and you're a woman. So right, it was like I got kudos and significance for it. It wasn't for me though. It wasn't. I mean, ten years into a cubicle, and I'm like, "Holy cow!" I'm surprised this- you lasted ten years. Wow! I love the design, but we were designing these like small electrical connectors that go in cars, and I'm like, "Here I am, this hippie on the side. You know, I'm bringing in my chia seeds to work, and we're, you know, I have like just all the things, and then we're making little plastic parts that essentially are polluting the world. And it was just as like a mismatch. But I had a really, really strong desire to essentially do the right thing. The thing that I was told that would get me the kudos, which was like a certain type of job and following what society says, and this would make me successful. So when I started to shift off of that, there was a you know a lot of pushback in my brain. And that's one of the patterns that we see with people that we work with. It's almost like, what we learn in school, how we learn to be good at school works completely against us when we get into the real world and the world of food.
0: 100%.
1: Because it was like, you follow the formula, you do what the person says and you get the A, right? You get the pat on the back and there was no tapping into what your body thought, what your intuition was saying. And the better someone got at completely overriding those signs from their body, like the people who would come to me, I started for the first eight years of our business, we worked with women in hormone hormone health. And so the women that would say, you give me the plan and I'll do anything, exactly what you say, when you say it, how we say they're like, you want me to eat raisins standing on my head on Tuesdays? I got it. I'm a girl. Would. <laughs> They would, they were like, but just tell me what to do. And the better they were, it seemed good at the beginning. I'm like, huh, you're like, this is gonna be great. Super compliant client, like gonna follow or like, of course, they're gonna, they're gonna get to their results. They're gonna lose their weight. They're gonna have their hormones. Great. in no time. And that it was the opposite. It was almost the better they were at following it. Not always, of course, but it was a pattern enough that I'm like, huh this ability to override this, that person, and I was that person too, had lost any connection with their body and what it was actually the signs from their body. Mm-hmm. Cause I only could hear like what society was saying, which most of them were saying eat less. Mm-hmm. And most of them, when they came to us, we did functional lab work. So we were actually looking at hormone levels and brain chemistry and they were so depleted, Kelly. This eating less thing had done the opposite. The hormones were so depleted and destroyed that then any single morsel of food that passed their mouth, of course, their body's going to hold on to it. It's like you're starving us, lady. Like, you know, of course. So that pattern we saw it over and over and over. And it really was tied. It's so often tied to like the perfectionist, the good student, the, the, the rule follower, peacekeeper. And that was, that was all me. So I have very personal. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So that was a whole side story from uh, there. I am. I'm in engineering in college and I'm thinking like, I am a smart as far as book, smart person. And yet I was binging on um, little debbies and all sorts of things you could get at the these like um these little pie things that I still can't look at to this day. I don't even know what they're called anymore. This is you know, a long time ago now, but um, and I would binge to the point of like so, so uncomfortable. And then I was also, I know a lot of people are just binging. I was also purging. And I knew this wasn't good for me. But like, I could not get myself to stop. Yeah. I, no amount of brain power, like, I couldn't stop it. And I felt so inadequate and so questioning myself as a human. I would go to the library, I remember. went into the library and I would read books. I would look for books about bulimia to try to freak myself out about how I was going to like ruin the enamel on my teeth from throwing up. Like I was actively looking for something to like snap me out of it.
0: That wake up call, right? Like, oh, this keeps happening. Let me, let me stop. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're perfect now. You don't do it anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Just something, please.
1: Something. And much, much later when I did start to study brain chemistry and hormone health, we would run um, brain chemistry panels, which we still do in our, we have a 12 week online group. And so we still do that. It's the only part of functional medicine we still do because that test showed me, shows things like serotonin and dopamine. So your neurotransmitters and that ratio of serotonin and dopamine, so one being serotonin being your contentment, whereas dopamine being like reward, right? Like that excitement. And there's a certain ratio 1.4 that you're looking for from one to the other. And when I finally tested my brain chemistry, that ratio was completely flipped way more dopamine than serotonin. Crazy. And there were some reasons for this and some things, some activities I had been doing in college that nicely depleted and flipped that ratio leading up. Oh, college. Oh, college. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And that flipped ratio, there was on big, bold letters in the class I was in learning about brain chemistry. Eating, it was like leads, will this inverse ratio leads to binging, purging, like any, any dysregulation with this with eating. And it was the first time that I kind of felt like, Oh, like, it's not just me that I'm a bad human or have no willpower or suck. Like there was actually something in my brain. And yes, I did a lot of things to get to that state. not saying it just happened, but where I was and where my brain chemistry was at that time was lining up with then how I was acting. So cool thing is, that's something you could totally work with. And that's only one piece of it, right? Like I know the work you're doing and I know like the community and the support that people need through this process. This isn't just like, oh, fix your brain chemistry. <laughs> and knowing that there can be physical things happening for me help take away that judgment of like, <laughs> I'm I'm just, I just will never get it. Right, like it's it's somewhere out there. Other people don't do this, and I do.
0: Versus, this is, this is who I am. That this yes,
1: is who it. I am. Versus, I can do things to physically help get that, yeah, my brain chemistry back on board. And some of those things involve um, calming the nervous system and involve taking care of ourselves in a different way. That's not just forcefully choosing what we'll eat or what we don't eat or how much we beat ourselves up or how much.
0: We don't, right? Like the, it it opened up the world to, to a lot of options. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many things that you talked about. So your whole, you know, your background in the sense of, you know, being this incredible engineer, I had something similar, right? But it was, it was a different path, but you know, you're told things to do. And I am a firm believer that nobody at the age of 17 or 18 should know they want to do with their life and i think that is a huge disservice because at that age we are still leaning on the people our parents and our caregivers so i you know was influenced with the best intentions to be a teacher because of my love for health because of my love for you know um children and kids and wanting to be a mom and i remember going through those different stages of my life like going through school then student teaching then my first job and i'm like why am I still miserable? Why do Mm -hmm. I still hate this? So yeah, I had such a similar path. And then the entire time I'm like, why do I hate this? Why am I so unhappy? And when it came, you know, you mentioned that you were actively looking for ways to stop. Thank you for sharing your story. I know that's very hard to do, Um, but you know, people need it. People need to hear your story. And I will never forget this distinct moment. I think I was on my third or fourth cheeseburger. And like my second drink at McDonald's and I'm in my car, hysterical crying. And I remember thinking, how do I not know how to eat? I am so smart. I am such a leader. I am such a go-getter. I have great relationships. I have my master's like, how do I not know how to do this? And it's like, you have this entire, like, I can do all of these things, but why can't Mm -hmm. I do the most simple thing I was given? innately, when I was born, where did that go? So I 100% resonate with, with what you were saying in that regard. And, you know, I know you mentioned the nervous system. That tends to be, it's a little on like the trendy side now, but I do think it is really, really important. And you are what I think a master Uh, The self proclaimed by me of nervous system regulation. So, would you mind just talking about the importance of that when it comes to making your food choices and having urges and just learning to trust that your body knows what to do?
1: Mm -hmm. So, I think of, we'll say addiction, but really, you know, anytime we're reaching for something, we can highlight that as anytime we are reaching for something because we don't want to feel what we're currently feeling. So when we really pause, which is hard to do. Very hard. (laughs) Very hard. When we can, what we call an NLP is a pattern interrupt. So you're actually interrupting the normal pattern you do. You're interrupting the hardwired neural pathways, because like we mentioned, I mentioned earlier, the brain is all about efficiency. So If you are, let's say, a smoker, you wake up and smoke. You don't think, will I smoke today? Will I not? Right? If you're a runner, you get up and run on the days that you run, right? I now in my life um, don't do well with wheat. So I eat gluten-free and I have now for probably 10 years. It's not a thought for me. It's not even a thing Sometimes when, you know, family will be like, well, we just don't know what to make you. It's so tricky. <laughs> it It's just not even a concept for me. It is then, not
0: tricky for you, yeah.
1: Right, and then at the same time though, I've had um, a family member who comes who's vegetarian and I have the same like, well, what do I make you for protein, right? So it's just, it's the identity of who you are becomes so automatic. Whereas I remember when I was first trying to start that habit, And it felt like it was the worst thing in the world. I couldn't eat anything. How will even do this? All the good foods have gluten. Like what, right? Like my life was ending. Birthday parties were horrible. Like everything. Cause my daughter had to too, cause she had full body eczema and that was what finally cleared it. So, you know, it's not, it's when things are new, it feels hard. Like, and that is, that is when you know that's when, you know, you're rewiring the neural pathways though, because if it were easy, then you'd be going down the pathways you've always been going down.
0: Oh, um, can, okay. I don't want to say that whole louder for the people in the back because everyone's just listening on their headphones, but can we repeat that please? Because everyone gets so myself included when things are difficult, we blame ourselves. So can we just like, let yeah. that say, can we repeat that? Because that's, that's big time here.
1: So If it were easy, then you're doing the same thing you've always done. Yes. When we have people say like, I'm kind of confused or frustrated or irritated and they're actively making, they're actively looking to make a change, right? Like they join your membership and they're actively looking to make a change and they're feeling a little bit like confused.
0: We are always like, awesome, big thumbs up. Oh, Your brain I- is rewiring. La- it's so funny you say that last night I was going through, you know, my community and the membership and, and someone just put this random post. They were like, listen, I'm not going to lie. Join this membership. I was like, what the hell am I doing? I'm so skeptical. She's like, five days later, she's like, I feel like everything is turned upside down. She's like, so if you were skeptical or you were coming in, like, what am I even doing here? She's like, you just need to. Trust. She's like, because the skepticism is like kind of what made me realize, well, no, it's because I need to be doing something different. So, you saying that is so important. And I'm sure you can explain this better than me, but it's like when we are doing something different or new, our brain is like, oh my gosh, this is new. And new means dangerous. Yeah. New, in ancestral times, means this is a life or death situation and we're about to die. So, it's going to pull us into. Our old habits, which even though we don't want to binge anymore, even though we don't want to like hit up McDonald's and Burger King and Wendy's on the way home, our brain has recognized that as a sense of safety. Mm-hmm. Right. If we had to refigure
1: out Kelly how to brush our teeth every morning, I mean, we you know like our whole morning routine would be that would be the day. We'd be like, huh? What? How do you open this bottle? Right? Like we, the things that we do on so auto like complete autopilot including like our body breathing for us. And I'm sitting in a chair. I'm not aware that I'm touching it. All these things are happening that our brain is filtering out because 11 million bits per second or more are coming into our senses and our awareness. Every second, we got to filter that stuff out. So we filter and we go for efficiency. And the brain says, anything you've been doing consistently and a lot over time, we will keep doing. Wow. Because the assumption is that thing you've been doing is working and for your health, including that's why it's like, if you are a smoker and you consciously are thinking this isn't healthy for me, that's fine. And your brain is saying, we do this every morning at this time and every night or whenever, and we will protect that habit. Wow. It's not going, hmm. Well, when you breathe in at that time with that thing in your mouth, it's actually being very harmful for your lungs. It's, it's just straight efficiency. This pathway is burnt in. So we can burn in pathways to talking horribly about ourselves. Yeah. Blaming uh, people around us for our life, right? They're they're reaching for a food or a drink. Anytime I have a certain feeling or emotion, right? We, we could lock these pathways in. I had this big, I've had a battle with chai lattes. That's kind of been the, it's been a joke for me of a thing that I like go in and out of and have a different relationship with and never had one before. Oh, I well, feel don't, like- no. don't do it. Don't no. do it. I have people in my life who say, you know, I teach used to teach a lot of physical health tools, right? Like a lot of elixirs. And we were all about the cycle. And I share so much amazing knowledge. And they're like, well, Meg, the one thing that got me hooked was that time I had a chai latte with you. <laughs> <Big bank bag. laughs> I'm glad that's what stuck, right? Oh, that's
0: So Oh, that's hysterical.
1: But I even Kelly, for that, I figured out that I was anchored into a certain glass. So every time I saw Cause I'm a real freak about it. And it had to be in a certain glass was certain nice. <laughs> and every time I saw the glass, my brain would go, it's, it's time.
0: It's right. Time. Yep. And, and I yeah. feel like with alcohol, that's such a big thing too. And oh my gosh, I mm-hmm. keep saying, I'm going to have so many episodes about alcohol. We'll definitely have to have you on. Well, you're going to be one of those multiple time people because <laughs> the, the, the nuggets that you have are just incredible. But the one thing I wanted to ask you, so. You know, you're starting to talk about, okay, our brain is going to protect this habit at all costs. And unfortunately, a lot of the habits we have are negative, whether it's our thinking, our eating, our smoking, whatever it is, the way we speak to ourselves, whatever. What do you feel would be the most important thing to start to slowly shift without your brain, like freaking the hell out, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense?
1: Yes. Perfect. Thank you. You led me right into your original question. I was nervous. Well, we're here.
0: But- it's our, it's our intuition. Baby. Yeah.
1: We have a process What we call dimes that we teach in our, our 12 week group and our in-person certifications. But the first two steps is one, discover the intention. And so that's the D and I is interrupt the pattern.
0: Ooh.
1: So first we're stopping and we're saying, what is the need that I, what am I actually needing right now? Like, what need am I fulfilling? Is it connection? Am I looking for love? Right? Like, what am I wanting right now? Is it significance? Am I sad? Like, I'm looking to be happy? Or is it joy? Right? We can kind of fi- figure out if we can pause for a second and stop ourselves. What am I actually needing right now? And with this process, you'll start to see patterns of like, oh, hey, around four o'clock, I always need cheese, <laughs> right? But like, what's actually happening? And then we can interrupt the pattern. So the pause, first, we have to have the pause and in, in, in going into like this actual contemplation, which takes takes us consciously. This requires our conscious mind to jump on board. And maybe this is sticky notes all over your house. You know, we teach times and we have people write it out everywhere, but like something to remind you, you're going to do a process and every time. And so the interrupt, the pattern is there's lots of different options, but this is where we bring in nervous system regulation. Like you said, it's pretty popular right now. And the body being in the parasympathetic state. So the rest and digest, it's also heal and learn the opposite of our fight or flight. So in fight or flight, all we can see, we get very foveal. Our attention gets very, very specific on problems and that's all we can see. So we want to be expanding our awareness, getting physically into peripheral because it's, and this happens. I don't know if this has happened to you with technology, but when I'm in the middle of launching a program or doing something big, and then all of a sudden you get really focused on problems like, oh no, our Zoom's not working. And that this happened one time. I actually deleted our presentation in my freak out of trying to fix the Zoom because instead of like pausing, taking a breath, and realizing it was a small thing,
0: that <laughs> I happened. went, ah. All, not, not the magnitude of deleting an entire presentation, but there's so many times I catch myself. Like if I just slowed down, I yeah. wouldn't, that next thing wouldn't have happened. Yes. Me, you know, breaking something or delete. Yeah, totally. Yes. And this, in this, not just business, this is
1: like life and food or Absolutely. having uh interaction with a partner. If you had maybe paused or eating the food or having the drink. Right. So this is where We interrupt the pattern by physically using our body. So because the body has this built in essentially like buttons built in physical part of our body that when we press on or touch will send us into that parasympathetic state. So we can override that fight or flight, which can calm us enough that we can go in and be like, okay, what was I actually feeling? What's actually happening? What are all these thoughts floating through my head instead of hyper-focus on a problem and creating more. So I'll just give maybe three super simple ones, Kelly, for people who would
0: be amazing so
1: they can just use these right away. Like you have, and everyone likes them, different things feel better to them. I do want to give a caveat because I always, whenever we teach this, we have someone say, doesn't work, Megan. I don't feel anything. And There, This is something where you will only have the capacity of those pathways to go to the calming parasympathetic if you're using them. So if it's like, I don't feel anything when you tell me to do that, that is a sign that you need more. That is a sign that this would be a daily morning practice, five times a day practice, instead of just like waiting till you're freaking out. Yeah. Right. Like some of us are like really good at calming our body when we freak out, but if you don't have that built in, if you don't go into that state, that won't your, those buttons won't work as well. So we can actually wire them to be much stronger so that then when we're in that really strong state, we'll have them. So just, I know people can't see me for not on video, but just literally thumping in the very center of your chest
0: Well, because we're on camera and we both look fabulous, we can definitely add this to one of our social media. But yeah, so what Megan has is the bottom of her palm, just something on her chest. And you may be able to hear it through my mic.
1: Yeah. So we're actually activating the vagus nerve. So the big old nerve that does help us get into parasympathetic. And some people will immediately start to like feel different or they'll start yawning. If you feel like you're yawning or anything that's energy moving. And we know we're
0: getting into that state. Another thing is there's- Oh, sorry. So another thing when you're tapping your chest, should it be like a hard, like you feel it? Or, well, you know, there's, is it like you're actively hitting it or it's just like a light tapping? It's light. Yeah, it's light. So Mm -hmm. I'm not like trying to leave a bruise on my chest, pretty much. No no bruises. (laughs) No physical harm here.
1: (laughs) Light tapping. I like that. Um, The other one is there's all these nerves in your mouth. So there's some things that you can do. We want people to have tools where it's like, if you're in an office at work, um, maybe if you start um, tapping on your chest, people will look at you funny. Whereas um, if you're doing the thing with your mouth, people will also look at you funny, but you could probably hide it a little easier. And there's all these nerves around your lips and underneath your lips. So I'm actually taking my tongue and running it over my teeth in the top row of my teeth and down over my
0: bottom teeth too. So um, for the video, who can see the video where. So it's in, as you're doing this, I'll explain. So it's in, it's like in the front of your teeth, right? So it's in between your lips and your teeth. So it's kind of like you're, have you making ever. A like, circle.
1: Mm-hmm, look like- it's like, it's like you you're cleaning down. your teeth out in the so front, see- right? You're like, oh, I've got spinach. And but you're making these repeated
0: circles. I remember you did a reel on this and I was like, before I read the font, I was like, what in the world is my girl doing? And then I read, I was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. I'm like, why are you videotaping doing this? But we should name that like the spinach cleaner or something. Oh, I love that. But yeah. So now how long do you feel like you would have to do something like that for? That one.
1: So again, I'm super, that one calms me. I'll actually, I actually feel it right away. So that one I'll maybe do like five to 10 around my mouth. Um, I've had people like on the airplane do it most of the time because they're just feeling really ramped up. It's a,
0: it's a practice. And I feel like it'll, it kind of works faster once the more you use them. I just, I was the entire time you were talking and I did that and my mouth feels like a little like jello-y like lighter. Is that normal? Yeah, totally. Oh, that's something I'm going to have to add. Oh, I like that. Okay. And
1: it's just so simple. I mean, I, um, you know, so again, if you ever are, somewhere where you have a pen, you know, people put pens in their mouth. Yep. Well, when you do that, like, do you see how it actually kind of forces me to make a smile? Like the corners of my mouth go up. Yeah. So it's essentially feedback from the body to the brain to trick you into like, I'm smiling, I'm happy. So I had a client who used to, Um, she didn't tell her husband what she was doing, but he was really irritating to her when they were driving in the car and so when she was driving and he was with her, she would just put
0: the pen in her mouth oh that that's kind of genius, <laughs> and it's
1: like immediate- i know i mean I'm very much i love to laugh, so anything that requires a smile, I immediately am happier so it is an interesting thing how you can essentially use your physical body to send the messages and then you start to make the biochemical soup and you make the neurotransmitters as if you're happy. Oh, I of love course, that. there's a gap of like, when we're in a really, really depressed state, you're probably not going to want to do the laughing things. Right. So we want to find a tool that kind of meets us where we are. Maybe we're just working to get to neutral. Maybe oh, we want to lie on the floor with our legs up the wall. Right. We're not, nobody's asking us to smile. And that is also something, you know, in yoga, where well, they do legs up the wall, but basically you, it's all it is. You put your butt <laughs> up towards the wall. So your legs are straight up and you're kind of at a 90 degree angle. And when I you know, oh,
0: Yeah, Thank go you. ahead. No, I was just gonna say when I played soccer, I had to do that. Um, but the one thing I wanted to just add on to what you're saying is you talking about getting back to neutral. I think that is so underrated and so not talked about enough um, because even when it comes to like food and body image, So many of us, and I'm, I struggle with this, having 24 seven body love, I find very difficult and you can still make so much progress and feel so much better with just neutrality with just, Hey, Mm -hmm. I may not love how I look right now, but today I'm focusing on feeling good today. I'm treating myself with kindness. That is not this. Oh my gosh, I'm perfect. I'm beautiful. You know, I slay whatever the cool kids say it's, Hey, (laughs) this is where I'm at. This is what I'm focusing on. And just like you said, bringing it back to neutral can help you in such incredible ways that like we don't even think about because we, I feel like we live in these extremes, right? Totally positive or completely Mm -hmm. on the other end.
1: Definitely. And then there could be a lot of, since there is a lot of understanding lately of the brain and like what we think becomes our reality, which is awesome because that's my world. And that can then cause us to do a lot of guilting and shaming of ourselves because like, I just need to be more positive. I'm just, I'm just not happy enough. I'm not thinking all the best thoughts. Yeah. So sometimes neutral is about, that's about where you can get. Yeah. And and that's where you can stay.
0: And, like, if you're having a hard time and someone just says to you, just be happier. It's, like, the only thing that would make me happy right now is smacking you in the face. Like, <laughs> it's, like, my husband and I always joke about if someone's, like, just just calm down. Oh, <laughs> like, if, if someone my, and my son, who's three and a half, once said that to me, I was, like, okay, Cal, he's three and a half. Nervous, regulate my nervous system before I go insane. Yeah, calm down. The word relax. Like, it's just it's, it's so not doable. Um, 100%. So kind of talking about, you know, the extremes and the polarity that so many of us live in. Um, I'm, I don't mean to speak for you, but I'm sure you've had that when it came to food, the all or nothing mentality, right? Eating perfect Mm -hmm. or binging. And that's what I struggled with. That's what my community has struggled with. So I would, I would love if we could kind of talk about what it's like and what it means to have this, This devil and this angel on our shoulder of this whole, like, okay, you really got to eat the salad. And then the other side's like, well, no, I want a cookie. And it's like, you're at this, you're, you're constantly at war and it's exhausting. So you kind of just binge just to like, stop your brain. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? I would love if you could touch on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So one of the concepts that we teach in our seven-day training is parts and parts integration. So the idea that early on, again, all this stuff happens when we're nice and young, we will have something happen where it's almost like the same emotion or the same, yeah, the same emotion or feeling is tied to two different extremes. So maybe normally we do one thing and then the person we love gives us love. And then we do that same thing again. And then we get, we get hit or right. Or we get yelled at. Mm -hmm. And now we're like, huh? So we have this person we love. And so I need to be that way to get love, but I also need to be this way to not get hurt. And we'll have similar concepts tied in the brain, like a similar way of being that could be tied to, two very competing emotions. One is pain and one is pleasure. And so when these, we literally, I mean, you can actually talk to your parts. They come out if you've ever experienced where you're like, well, that just wasn't really me. Or you'll say, well, part of me really wants that cake and part of me doesn't.
0: The part that you saying part of me, I think brings it into such like good layman's terms because we say it all the time. Part of me knows I want to do this, but the other side of me wants that 100%. Okay, sorry to cut you off. I just, everything you no, say. it's and- really
1: good. The language is really good to highlight because we actually say it. I mean, they, it comes out in words when we, when we are in parts, meaning we have become a, a little bit split. And each of these parts, what we do is we're trying to figure out what is their highest intention. Because when you kind of keep chunking up, meaning you're asking the part like, like, what do you what is this for? For what purpose? Like, why do you want me to eat the cake? Why do you want and they're like, well, um, to feel better? Okay, why do you want to feel better? To feel love? Or I don't, you know, I went really quickly to that. But there could be all different layers of like, why you want? It. Okay, why don't you want to eat the cake? Well, so then I'll like my body better or I'll, I'll feel more energized. My my head will be clear. Okay, why do you want that? Well, then I'll be able to like share my gifts in the world and I'll be, I'll put myself out there. I'll be more confident. Okay, why do you want that? Well, when I'm more confident, then I will finally do that thing and connect with those people. And it'll lead to something like connection or love or worthiness, right? So they're usually these two parts really want the same thing. So we just keep going until both parts get to the same highest intention. And they always do. Huh and you're like oh well that one wants connection and this one wants connection like they're both going for the same thing in a different way and this is the key this is the key to also just general negotiation of like two humans (laughs) is like if you go up high enough you'll start to realize like i could have the exact opposite view of something And But it's really like my way of getting there and your way of getting there. Usually if you go high enough, we're both like, maybe we were both doing it to protect our family, or maybe we both believe that's the best for our health or our freedom, or even though you're saying do it this way, I'm saying do the exact opposite. Hmm. But when we can start to see like, oh, well, you were doing that out of the same intention I was doing that. We just have a different model of the world of how to get there. We can usually get on board
0: a little bit more. Marriage counseling 101. <laughs> so, this is half food, half, yeah, that that resonates so much. So, to help to expand on that, so let's talk about this cake example that you used, right? You want to, you know, connection if that's what you said. So, now we understand that the end game is the same. Where do we go from there?
1: Yeah. So if we can become aware of these patterns, we can look for how can we fulfill that need? And in my opinion, earlier in the day, like, did we deplete ourselves all day long? Did we do the things for everybody else, but not us? Were we running the checklist life of like, well, when I, if I get eight things, if I'm productive, I will get love and worthy. And then somehow every day, even though it doesn't happen, we go, I did the eight things and I don't. I don't feel any more loved, right? So like, how how can we, usually it's really the peacekeeping, keeping people pleasing, the tendencies that we've been doing all day long, overriding ourselves, our actual needs, not taking a nap because productive people don't nap or not forcing yourself to just push through whatever it is. And then the parts of you that are like, hey, I'm screaming out for connection or love or safety or freedom, they're going to get louder and louder. And then finally they like, eat the cake. Oh right? my God, yep. So the, that part, that that crit- and that uh, critical part can be really triggered when you get into an overwhelmed state. So if there's boredom, overwhelmed, maybe if you're triggered worthless, like maybe you said you were going to do eight things that day and you don't do them. So now you're saying I'm not productive. I didn't, I, I didn't, I said I was going to go to the gym and I didn't. So then it triggers worthless, overwhelmed, boredom. Critical part comes in and says, Oh, I know how to make you feel better, right? So that's where the binge part will come in is it takes away the feelings, right? We actually get the dopamine hit so that we don't have the bad feeling anymore. And then unfortunately, right after that, that critical part comes back with a vengeance. Because now it's like, you did it again. You did it again, Megan. Look at you. Look at you, smart little engineer girl. Can't figure out how not to eat the eighth little Debbie.
0: Um, I, I'm sitting here listening to you and I have the freaking chills. It's this, you know, and and the way I speak about it with my members is so similar, but yeah, it's like, for example, wanting happiness or self-care, right? So many of us as moms, as career driven women, as caretakers, as wives and daughters, we wear so many freaking hats. And unfortunately The hat that we wear to take care of ourselves and our needs, I don't even know if it's a hat. It's like Woody's hat in Toy Story. It's like this big. And we watch a lot of Toy Story in our house. But then when we don't do that during the day, when we are not adding little pieces of, hey, what do I need right now? What is going to make me happy? And then all of a sudden, the kids are asleep. The husband's watching, you know, golf downstairs. And we sit on the couch and we finally get to relax. It's Mm -hmm the pizza, it's the ice cream, it's the shredded cheese out of the fridge because we need that relaxation. And that's that first thing because we haven't given it to ourselves in any other capacity.
1: Mm -hmm. So we can ask ourselves like earlier in the day or just start to find the patterns and we can ask like, What is What does this part want for us? We can journal on this. Like, what is the highest purpose of this part? Because when we see it as just like this horrible part of us and not as a protector, not as someone who's like really actually coming in to help us, then we get super critical. So the critical part is (laughs) leads to it, you know, the binge again. So can we have some compassion for that part of us who was taught we have to do everything right? we have to, you know, can we have a little bit of compassion? Just like, what does this part actually need? Need to be seen? Does it need some time alone? Does it need a walk, a nap? Like what is stopping us from creating more time for ourselves? Usually these are much bigger beliefs, right? That are coming in of like, I'm not worthy of rest or right. There can be lots of patterns, but zooming out, it's, it's not a food thing, right? You know, (laughs) it's just like, recognizing a need is being met and okay, thanks brain for trying to keep me alive and safe. And now like, what could my other, what can my other habits be? Like, what can my other patterns be? How do I meet those needs
0: earlier? Wow. The, I, you know, it's, I just looked at the clock. We have been here an hour and my episodes are like, Anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes. <laughs> but I love that because I think you bring such a different perspective. But while also reiterating that it is not about the food, because, and I know you did the same, right? We can sit there and we can be the perfect little engineer and the teacher who does everything we're supposed to and have the grilled chicken salad and avoid carbs and stop eating at six o'clock at night. But then when we, when it's like the light switch goes off and we cannot stop and it has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with our willpower and what our food choices are, or that we're a, you know, a a bad person or whatever, you do not change until you let yourself dig deep and get to the things that we have been trying to push down for so long. Mm -hmm. That's
1: where it all starts. We -hmm. have to be willing to move towards it, move towards the the pain, the discomfort, the things in our past that created all these, and there are ways to rewrite them. So that's the takeaway of this is not how we are forever. There are choices and we're at a choice point.
0: Yeah. And I think whoever's listening, just knowing that if you're listening to Megan and if you were like mind blown, this is me, except maybe I wasn't an engineer. (laughs) I'm hoping you're walking away with this with not only so many tips and tools to move forward, but also to recognize that you are not alone in this. You know, my goal with this podcast and with just my community and business in general is to be the person that I wish that I had when Mm -hmm. I was struggling. And oh my gosh, if I had a Megan back in the day, this business would not even have been here because I would have never been (laughs) I'll tell you that right now. But um, you know, as we wrap up all of these incredible tidbits are going to be in the show notes and this I promise you will not be the last time we see this wonderful woman on the podcast because it, we are I feel like we just scratched the surface and I don't even know how we did that. But before we, you know, um say our little little endings here, Megan, where can everybody find you because I'm sure there's going to be a mad dash to get to know you better?
1: The best spot to kind of find out what our latest things are, depending on when this airs is on Instagram. So at becoming zesty and come on over there because we have free trainings happening all the time. We're going to do a parts workshop for a free parts workshop where you can integrate those parts. If you're like, Oh, this is me with the parts. And we have lots of stuff coming up. And then we have our podcast. So becoming zesty podcast is um, got hundreds of episodes. We're on, I think season 19 right now. So if you are a person who is very new to like the physical aspect of your female cycle, you can go all the way back to season one and episode one, there's a pod class, 24 mini classes on understanding your cycle. Cause while the beliefs and the brain chemistry are so important to me, we do have to also remember if you're a female, there are hormones at play too. So being aware of like what is shifting and what are the actual needs of the body versus like overriding sometimes, no, you actually need more carbs at this time of the month. Right. So way back in the beginning. And then as you see, it shifts over time because we found that the beliefs that people had and then the brain wiring and then the transformation piece of like, How do we keep ourselves going? Like, how do we keep changing habits? And our whole thing is like transform, but fast. We want to do it faster. We like the accelerated way. So the latest part part of the podcast shares about, you know, my personal recent honesty journey and more of uh, what we've
0: learned from the transformation process. Love that. So everyone, you all have homework. You better charge those AirPods because we got 19 seasons of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) to listen to and you know just on the outside looking in of Megan's honesty journey and everything that she does just being here for an hour has already I'm sure given you all so much new perspective every time I talk to her I feel like I am just always growing and learning and Megan I cannot thank you enough for being here I know you will be here again thank you Kelly (laughs) awesome this is amazing all right everybody talk soon Thanks for hanging out with me and listening to the Food Freedom Society podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review or share on your Instagram stories. And if you're on Instagram, be sure to follow me at Kelly kellylwellness. Send me a DM to say hi and tell me your thoughts on the episode. See you next time.